Oh yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with class. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on a new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Hey, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to the second half. You got your boy Ride Boogie here today. On my left, we got... Sweeney Todd. And... Peaches. Peaches, 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 peaches. peaches. And lastly... The bird dog. The bird dog himself. Sensual. The bird dog. Sexy motherfucker. But anyway, we have with us today pretty much a Bay Area legend. So happy to have you here. Um, Brandon Murillo going to go into this really deep bio because I think it's really important that we pick up on some of these notables here. Created Brand One Design, 1997. Just showing you how way back Brandon goes. Was a lead fashion designer for Sucker Free Clothing. And you know what's up with that. Sucker Free Clothing represent SFC. A lead fashion designer for International Turntableist Federation. You got to tell us more about that in a bit. Uh, the creator of Silent Group which was an event coordination and tastemaker for hip-hop nightlife scene. I didn't even know about that. Uh, work with Napster, Electronic Arts, the Green Door Dispensary, the proprietor of Mojo Labs, which we all know is a boutique marketing and design firm, uh, which led him to working with companies like Crooks and Castles, Fallout Boy, Alicia Keys, Ultimate Ears, Logitech, and Manny Pacquiao. In addition, Brandon helped to create Big Body Cisco Radio, has helped multiple brands in the cannabis space and the cipher, and now has recently joined the team at Empire as a senior designer and works exclusive with their artist merchandise. So, bro. Ooh, that's man. Good. That's a lot, dude. That is a lot. It's been <laughs> a long time, so yeah. I hope it's a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot, man. When I, um, when I was reading your uh, notables, I don't know, man. I, I, even without looking at you, I was like, I've got a crush on this dude. <laughs> Yes, I did my job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Is that coming up with a brand one while you're still in college? Yeah, I did it in college. Um, I was in college for, it, it's a trip. When I went to college, I'm, I'm hella dating myself, but graphic design was going to turn into computers at that time. So they didn't really know how to teach it. I went to San Francisco State. I went to San Francisco State late. So I went from high school to Skyline College, CSM. I think I did them all. I think we all did that. And I yeah. left yeah. I left community college as a freshman. Four years later. So I left and I didn't even get 24 units or whatever. Um, from there, I just, uh, I was 21. I was like, man, I got to go to, uh, I got to do something. And I went to uh, San Francisco State. And the program was called um, Conceptual Informational Arts. And it was basically using computers as to do artwork. And uh, from there, I had to start four years again. So four years in, I'm like, there's people I know that need work done, and I did my work for them at the house. Right. So, speak, yeah. speak to us about that experience, knowing that you went to Tabal, mm-hmm. um, moved around a bit, CSM, like you said. What was state like at that time? State was, um, so I think being 21, I was already like kind of mature enough to not worry about the college scene. And uh, state, state, like I said, was just learning this design program using computers. And I would just go to class. So I just go to class and I leave. That's it. No, no, nothing else. I wasn't going to do anything else at the time. Hmm. So, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I got into it eventually after I got through my general ed. I remember um, hearing of you when you were uh, with Game Time, when uh, Fred mm. put that team together, and they were like, yeah, um, we got, we're got sponsored, our jerseys are made by Brandon, Brand One, and I was like, what <laughs> the hell is this, right? Because everybody was ordering their jerseys from Philippines and whatever. East um, Bay. Yeah, or <laughs> East Bay. 
<laughs> yeah, and then you came onto the scene. I was like, damn, that's different. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was Jay Bo Custodio. So Jay Bo, and this is where I met Mike Lawani from Savs, Brian Legaspi, Rob Edwards, a bunch of people. And um, that's when you first met him during. Uh, well, I knew Jay Bo. So yeah, Jay Bo hollered at me, and I just had a company I was doing pretty well. And they were like, yo, we need a sponsor. I was like, all right, what do you need? Like, pay for our entry fees. I was like, all right, cool. So I paid the entry fees. And I saw that. They're like, hey, can you design us uniforms? I was like, hell yeah. Someone got full Jordan kits. And we just, we did full, like, uh, twill, like, like real NBA-looking stuff for game time. Yeah. yeah. So that was cool. It's cool. I think the only trophy we ever won was the best uniforms. <laughs> game time was fitted, though. Yeah, they're hella fitting. That's why I was like, "Damn, these guys." Yeah, they look good, but couldn't win nothing. These guys. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that was a very talented team. Yeah, but they everyone wanted to be the boss. Everyone wanted to show off. Right. You know, we had some good dirty players. It, it, it was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. Did you make it to a lot of the games? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like half of them. That's a long time ago. It's like twenty-two yeah. years ago. Yeah, but that's that. I, I just remember that because I played in those leagues. Well, we all played. Well, I, I, I played with them right at the start. But uh, Fred was having those practices, and I was like, man, I can't make it out to the East Bay uh, yeah, twice a week for those practices. You started with them? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, the first tough. league, uh, I, just, I don't remember you in that one. I never made it through the first league because they ran a couple <laughs> tournaments. He was really heavy on those uh, on those practices, and it was just like, man, I can't, I can't commit to that. Fred's a coach, that's why, man. Yeah, so I don't know how long they were doing it before I got involved, but yeah, yeah, I came in and just like it was back in those days. I would do a lot of flyers for the nightclubs. Um, I was doing a lot of music flyers, a lot of stuff, and I would always put my logo on there. So because I did that, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do the same thing here. So we just added made the game GT or something I put my brand yeah. design in there I was like it's just an extension of what I do to create my own brand I just was really keen on like creating your own personal brand and just being consistent and getting your name out there for the, your core audience so it just it just made sense and the money wasn't an issue back then so so yeah it was cool so clothing that was that the first thing you wanted to dive into um so I, I really had no idea what I was going to dive into. I wasn't trying to dive into anything. I was just one of the few computer graphic designers out there that people knew. I didn't know any. And what was happening at that time, everything was reverting over to digital. So you had to have a digital file for anything you did. So at one point it was paper. And like when there was flyers being done for hip-hop parties, they would just graph it on paper and then go to wasn't even Kinko's back there. It was a place called Krishna, I think, on Mission near Onondaga. And they used to just photocopy it on different color um, paper. And that's how you'd make a flyer. But eventually it went to digital, right? It went to these digital... It wasn't even digital presses, but digital preparing the files. And um, so I think I just got in at the right time. Like, I just got into to this... And I wasn't even being prepared to be a graphic designer. I was preparing to be actually a traditional artist using computers as the medium. medium. And um, But when I knew everyone who, who just had their own, a lot of people I knew had money, and they were just starting all these different businesses, whether it be a skate brand or a clothing line or a record label or a real estate or whatever back then. And everyone needed something digitally. Everybody who, was, who needed to make something needed a digital file. So I was mm-hmm. the one they went to and I remember Sucker Free Clothing, um, a girl I was dating at the time, her brother um, started Sucker Free Clothing, uh, Gizmo, shout out to Gizmo, and um, he was wor- working with Rigel on the logo, and they made a little, you know, they made a logo set, which came out good, but I don't think Rigel Crayon, he's a uh, legendary graffiti artist, he, I don't know if he wanted to really, had desires to keep working on it, so he hollered at me, he's like, hey, can you, doing artwork with computers like yeah I was in school like, uh, yeah I could do it I kind of just took it from there and just we just sat down at my mom's house in my in my bedroom and we would just work on stuff and that's what we did so we worked on stuff and I learned about clothing from Sucker Free mm-hmm. so I didn't know what I was doing I didn't know what I was doing really at graphic design at all like flyers I would just learn on the fly I was in school still so 
But you were able you to charge. I was charging. And you were adapting, like, to the For times. sure. For you're, sure. You're, I mean, like, most... I feel like that's how most... If you think about fashion designers, uh, graphic designers, I mean, they're all artists, right? But you're right. At that time, it was just critical that, you know, everything was shifting towards the digital age, so you made the adaptation to it. And I think that's what put you there. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know if they knew how to teach it correctly, so... <clears throat> They would, you know how school is. They teach it kind of in phases, but we never got to a phase of getting it ready for production. So I don't even know if they taught that when I was in school. So I learned on my own. So I was doing files, but I wasn't even doing them right. So I would, the, the, whoever the, did the pre-press or whatever would have to tell me, no, I need it like this. Okay. And I'm not the type that I just stop or just give up, whatever. So I would just yeah. figure it out. That's what I did. And um, so clothing was great for me because... It really opened the door, and once again, I was one of the few people that was doing clothing. Um, I think Sucker Free was probably, I mean, I would like to say we're probably the first urban, like, boutique brand that went national. Mm-hmm. There was no one else doing that at that time. In San Francisco, sorry. In San Francisco. L.A., yeah. There was, like, Tribal. There was, like, a lot of B-Boy brands. Mm-hmm. I mean, later I started working with LRG and Crooks and Castles and those guys, but, um, you know, so so I was just learning. I think a lot of those guys were learning at the same time. Yeah. Diamond, Diamond Supply, or I think, I think Skateboards was, you know, a lot of these guys were out at that time. So, so it's, a, yeah. it's a trip here to talk about this because we're, we're in 2023 now. Yeah. In this the, is late 90s. Late yeah, ni- yeah. So, yeah, late I 90s. Yeah, but, but late 90s and you're looking at a graphic design course at State which is you know a respectable university but then to be winging it because they didn't know <laughs> yeah. the science behind it yet that's a trip right for anyone that's grown up you know in the it, like if, if they were born like past the 80s it's this is a completely different world I feel like I was winging everything though like up to that point everything like high school I was winging it you know uh <laughs> money I was winging it mm. um, you know so it was only right that I, I kind of winged college and then winged my career you know what I'm saying I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm a problem solver you know what I'm saying when it comes down to it I, I, I'd like to say I pass on to my kids too but if there's issues we don't sit there and complain or worry about it we just have to like you said adjust or pivot mm-hmm. and that's what I do so I feel like I've been doing that forever and so if there's opportunity in front of me, I'm going to succeed in that opportunity. I mean, that's just something that I I want to do right. you know, for myself. Whenever that door opens, I'm getting through. So would you say, was there anybody that helped you along the way, or it was mainly just oh, you? Oh, yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> I would say, yeah, definitely. So Alice Aquino is definitely a legend in in. in in the Bay, a legend in hip-hop, a legend when it comes to a lot of things. He basically housed my first office. So once I graduated college, <clears throat> I opened a, an office in his warehouse probably two weeks later. I never even went to my graduation. Okay. So, like, school, all that stuff to me was, like, just like high school. I just, high school I really was just non-existent. You know, I was, like, barely there. I was smoking weed. I was, you know, at Bell with the over time earlier about open campus. It being an open campus and just being able to leave. And I used to go to Roundtable, knew the security guard. He would, if I went and grabbed him cigarettes from the store, from Yick's, he would go get me beer <laughs> yes. and a Pepsi and a Pepsi <laughs> thing. And I would go back to history class with my drink because you can bring drinks from outside. And I'd have beer in there. Oh, shit. My teacher... Had a crush on my uncle because she went to Washington with him back in the days. She saw my last name, was like, "Hey, is your uncle this?" He was a big football star there, so he was a big football star. And then she was like, "And I was like, yeah, yeah, I used to love your uncle." I was like, "Cool." And I had her like, I think of two or three years. I'd go in there, get drunk. I'd already be high, so high and drunk, no bag. Can I borrow a pencil? Can I borrow a pencil? <laughs> doodle. I doodle all the time. So I make little logos and different shit. The whole time. Like, I got books still somewhere of, like, little oh, sketches I did. Yeah. Not drawing. Just, like, logo. I would do, like, 
my initials and then do someone else's initial and then something happened at lunch I'd do a logo for it like logos weird shit like I wasn't like a graffiti artist even though I hung out you know with some I wasn't a a dope cartoonist or an illustrator but why I were you drawn to logos I don't know I have no idea maybe it's to me well you know everyone has when you're creative there's something that draw. there's something that you get drawn to right it's hard to tell someone it's not like um you know, learning coding, where you just learn, you're going to learn C++. This is what you're going to learn. I think when you're creative, it's open to, you know, adaptation or interpretation. And so you being a creative mind, you're always going to just take that out of your head and, and create something that means to you. Do you think I don't that know, was influenced by, like, the graffiti culture at that time? Because if you think about it, everyone's graffiti was kind of like a personalized logo. Yeah, but then why didn't I go way into graffiti? You know what I'm saying? Why didn't I hella go into graffiti like everyone else? You know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. If it's a trip to look back now and see that I do have notebooks I didn't draw in, but I never got deep into graffiti. Like, I never spray painted. Like, I never... I mean, I did, but I didn't, like... I couldn't. I can't do murals or anything. I don't have those skills. I don't have those hand skills. I can't do hand style with a marker. I mean, I have good writing, and I can you know do some style but I don't have that style right so yeah logos I don't know I should find some of that stuff. yeah so, that's yeah. true so what went into that though when you so starting with brand one design what was the thinking process for coming up with that logo <clears throat> so uh, that was easy so brand one design is also a play off my name Brandon right I just add the E on the end uh, brand one and just this whole branding thing I don't know it's been in my I always think about branding I think what people are doing are they branding themselves correctly are they in the right path are they communicating effectively are they getting the message out and before I knew what branding was I, I thought like that so everything like you know having long hair as a kid smoking weed like all those things the things I want people to think of me as like I'm branding myself right now so I'm, I'm also, like, making people stereotype me, right? So I would have issues as a kid, like, you know, just racist people or whatever. You go in a store, I think you're shoplifting and this and that. Like. But you're kind of doing it to yourself the way you look. Now then when I look at my kids, I'm, my oldest is 22 and my youngest is 8 right now. And it's like, you know, sometimes I look at them and be like, are you, you know, what is the message here? You know what I'm saying? And it's a trip because I'm sure that our, these old people looked at us back then like, you trying to get by you know yeah why's your pants sagging why's your hair long why you smell like weed mm -hmm. why this and that you know what i'm saying so i don't think i actually thought about it that that much at that point but when it comes down to creating my own company brand one design and then i did the b with the circle because there was an r with a circle and a c was a circle and they stood for some registered trademark and copyright so b is branding yeah. you know what i'm saying so that's what i did and i just stamped that just like everyone else just like they did I saw them put that at the end, and then so my flyers always had it on the side, and I did that, and then I put my phone number. So I got a, I got a phone. I guess maybe I got a different cell phone or something, and I just put my phone number there. It was my office, I think, my first office, that one that Alice mm -hmm. Kino had, and then um, yeah, and I put that there. But I mean, I was blessed because at that time, growing into the to um, Alice Kino's warehouse, which was actually the location of A-Speed Studios, you had people like, um, who was recording out of there? We had like Dre Dog, we had um, IMP, you know, Kubnut, um, KNT, um, Apollo, um, I don't even know who used to be there. Oh, GLP. Damn. So, so my first entry into graphics when I first moved in and I painted my wall some crazy bright-ass fire red, orange, fire orange. And I had the windows, like, not covered so you can see in. And it was hella bright when you would go down the parking lot. My shit just stood out like a jewel, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And uh, in the back, you got people like, you know, the, you have uh, the whole GLP. You have Demo, you have Seth, you have JT, you have Quinn. Um, a bunch of people. I can name a bunch of those guys. And, of course, they wanted to see what was happening in my office. So then I started doing, helping them do graphics. You know, and then eventually Quinn, they more gravitated to me. So I was helping Quinn more in explosive mode and their new projects. 
um, Chuck Kelly, who's now with Incredible, um, you know, was one of the guys who, who kind of tasked me to do some some early stuff with the new groups, which was Big Rich and Bailey Brock, Bailey and, and Toriano, um, who was young, no, back then. They were called Fully Loaded. And so I was doing music, and then I was already involved in the clothing, and then I was doing flyers for the nightclub industry out of my house too. So I think it went. I think I went flyers for the nightclubs first, and right after that clothing. And then when I got to the studio, because Alex Kino's studio was back there, I got into music. So those are the three industries I'm in, and I'm 24 years old or something, and I'm like in this culture for real. Like I'm already a part of this culture. So then it's easy for me. Like I know what the GOP is into. I know what Quinn and them should look like moving forward. You know, there's a lot of other guys doing the same thing. There's Pen and Pixel. Yeah. There's Scott Dave Vafana who was over there. There's um, there Shemp, photo, photo Doc Design. I mean, these guys are still still guys I, I talk to, you know, can talk to. I don't talk to them enough, but they are still like my peers that I really respect. And um, we were the ones doing it. We were just the ones doing the go-to people. You know, they were part of other companies. I just had my own company. I just never worked for them. What were some of the challenges that you faced during this journey? <clears throat> Early, like I said, I don't think there was many people doing it, so I didn't have many challenges. I, I really didn't have many challenges, man. I, I just, I was confident in my skills. I was really working hard. I was probably working 17, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. I would basically be at the office till 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And I would come back as early as I could in the morning. Wouldn't sleep there, but I could. Um, and I just was available for people to hire per hour. There's not many challenges when it comes to that. You know, like especially when it's word of mouth. I'm not doing any advertising. There is no social media. There's nothing. And word of mouth, I'm just throwing my logo on the side. And I'm available. I'm doing good work. I mean, there's no challenges. So where did the motivation come from to just man? That's seventeen hours in in a day, seven I didn't days want to a week. Be broke man, I didn't want to be broke. I didn't want to be a bum. I was. I lived in San Francisco. We didn't. We didn't have money. We had no. We didn't have money. I don't think we had a new car. My whole growing up, um, we used to take the bus. You know, we would push the cart from QFI to my house. QFI. You know what I'm saying? We would. Uh, you know, and then leave the cart in our garage and then take the cart back down to go grocery again. Like, yeah. Um, we all had those two wheel laundry baskets. That's what we, we did. We did have a lot. We did have laundry. We did have the. Uh, I know what you're saying, is, yeah. thing, but we did have a laundry uh, washer and dryer house. So I was, I was thankful for that. But, um, you know, my dad left at a challenging time for me before I went to high school, um, who I'm actually really good friends with now. Um, both of my parents are, are you know around still so um, our relationship with both everyone is good but um, he left at a challenging time and my, I've seen my mom struggling single mom you know I have one brother he's one year older than me he's also a creative and um, he uh, and he left early when he left for college he just never he didn't you know he just went on his journey so I really didn't want to leave the house so it was me and my mom at the house where I grew up um in the outer mission and um she didn't really have money you know and, and i know she was struggling like the one role was you know stay in college and basically you can live here <laughs> like go to college like do something and so i that that was important so like i said until 21 i didn't even real respect that and then i was like oh man i'm gonna be a bum like i'm looking around i stopped smoking weed that year when i was 21 I haven't smoked since uh, maybe a couple times i I tried it, but, um, but yeah, I just felt like you gotta, you gotta take control of your own life. And then it's just me and my mom. And it's like, my mom's over here struggling. Like, what am I going to do? Just have her pay for my car insurance. And she wasn't buying my cars, my clothes, you know, nothing like that. And she wasn't home that much because she was working her ass off. Yeah. Our brother's in college. He, he actually, he was probably done by then, but he, he's trying to figure out where he's going to go. And what he's going to do, and I, I just, you know, so I had that mindset at 21. Not till I was 21, where I kind of grew up. And I think boys take a little longer than girls. Girls are like so 
know what the hell they want to do. And they're like, ready. Yeah. And they seem like they're all grown up and boys the same right now. You'll talk to 21 year old. They don't know what the fuck they want to do. Not at all. At all. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's how, I was to say it does sound familiar. I think for a lot of us that grew up in the city, kind of like you said, you're, you're kind of winging it. High school is like a process, but what differentiates you and I, I wanted to highlight this really quick because you said it earlier you were thinking about branding early you're thinking about the long hair you're thinking about your appearance but here's what's different i think most people that age i know i was i was awkward as shit right and i was uncomfortable but you're super comfortable no, i don't think i was comfortable at all i wasn't comfortable i don't think i you know i don't think i was comfortable um like I said, I think it was later that I thought about branding. So I was just like every other kid. Like, I didn't know where I fit in. I don't think we, none of us knew where we fit in. You had your group of friends you might have felt comfortable with. But then when you're around, like, when it became to, like, bigger events that would happen, you want to go with your friends. Now what's going to happen? You know what I'm saying? Some people had gangs. You know, some people were just close friends. They weren't gangs, but they had each other's back. Some didn't go. You know, I, I almost feel like, the nerds or people didn't go I feel like they might be some of them might be way farther they might have just woke up earlier like I really focused on I was really out there I guess I was a social person but I was shy too you know I think we're all like that right awkward but I was into fashion I was into spending my, I was going down to Copeland's and Kaplan's and, and all those stores on Market Street, Market Street you know what I'm saying and and I was spending money on that stuff and, and trying to be cool and stuff, but I didn't have money for a nice car. My first car was a car that my dad left in the in the garage that broke down, which was a, a Beetle, Volkswagen Beetle. But the same thing. I took the engine out and I rebuilt it, didn't even know what I was doing, hmm. and then I had a car. So that's what I did. Yeah. Got someone else from the neighborhood who was a mechanic, older dude. He was like 20-something, and he just was like, he knew it was just me at the house, and like he helped me he was actually from my mom's church a guy from my mom's church and he he helped me rebuild the engine and i had a car it looked like shit but you had like car. 10 puller holes inside and i had a car and i would drove that with pride i didn't care i eventually sold that car and then got another i think right after that i got like a 67 chevelle and right there like i started like being all into cars and i was doing that game too but that started from the opportunity of seeing the car, you know, I created the opportunity myself. Like, okay, how much is that cost? Problem solver, like you said. Yeah, so maybe I think it was like, probably cost me four four hundred bucks to do it. Shout out really quick to Copeland's two for fifty. Two for fifty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to. I used with to. The shoes on the table or something. Yeah, the two for fifty table. Yeah. I used to recycle cans like a motherfucker. Yeah. That two for fifty. My mom would give me one school for shoe and one dress shoe. I, I remember Copeland's. Kaplan's just because it was next to Fun Center. You remember Fun Center? Kaplan's had the uh, Jordans and stuff. Yeah. That's where I got my first Jordans. And they were like 90-something bucks. Yeah, Yeah, it was fucking expensive. What number? Maybe 100. I think they were the the threes or fours. Yeah. I didn't get the ones. My first Nikes, though, were the um, John McEnroe trainer, the gray and white and green trainers with the Velcro. Yeah. At Copeland's? Probably. Probably <laughs> yeah. Copeland's. They're by mass sold in right? tennis shoes. Yeah. That wasn't on the two for fifty here. Nah, no, 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 no. That was premium. Those were seventy seven dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get straight A's to get to seventy five dollars. To, to right. the wall. To the wall. That's right. Man, if they gave me that restriction, I would have never had shoes. <laughs> I, I was horrible in school. Horrible. Never fought. I was smart, but I thought I was smart until I went to college. Uh, the test to come in, I was like, oh, you're going to start at the very bottom English and math. The school for you was different. I mean, it's clear, like, school for you wasn't... Social. And, it, and there at Bal, I felt like you're trying to survive. Like I said, when I went there in 87, so I'm going to be 50 this year. Okay. What? I'm going to be 50 this year. You're a young-ass 50, yeah. bro. I know. So I'm going to be 50 this year. In 87, when I went to Bow, there was a lot of drama that happened the years before. If you look it up in San Francisco, there was a, there was a Sunnydale HP uh, beef that was going on. And it ended up with uh, a few cute people dying. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going there 
lot of Sunnydale guys at, at Bow, and I'm going there, and you're just seeing this, you know, rest in peace, whoever, you know, I don't want to name names, but, um, you know, so you realize, like, there's some shit going on here, and you're a freshman. You know, when you come from middle school to high school, you might think you're cool, but you don't really know shit. <laughs> Not at all. And, and, you know, unless you have older brothers and they all peep you a yeah. game and, you know, yeah. then you can act like, you know, what's up. And obviously you got someone who has your back that's older. Did your brother but, go to the same school? He didn't go to Bally. He went to Wash. Oh. He went to Wash. They did that out of thing for sports because my family is big in sports and they went there. And um, and then... Uh, so yeah, I went to I went to Bal and it was it was just a challenge. I think there was a lot of stuff going on. People getting jumped, people are getting jumped for shoes, and yeah. you know they had bad parts of the school that you weren't supposed to walk through, and it was bad as a freshman. But like I said, when they threatened to shut us down, there's this big thing in the San Francisco Chronicle in whatever year, and uh, it was basically they sent like like I guess photographers to basically watch us, and they just got all this shit on us showing people like just walking out past security during the day jumping over the back fence mm-hmm. um whatever they can get and there was it was on the front cover of the chronicle and then inside there was like multiple pages about how bow, bad bow was and they interviewed kids and you know there's no respect there for teachers i don't know how you could be a teacher there there was zero respect for teachers there's some cool ass teachers there but they were more i think maybe not scared but they wanted to be friends with the kids more than other teachers trying to do their job look like they're just trying to do their job and get the hell out of there. I mean, people put in like quarter sticks of you know little cherry bombs on the little glass window that's on the door and yeah. exploding it and throwing the things open and throwing it in and 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 at Bow there was no other school to go to. So what they did later during my four years they they put um, a continuation school there which was I think Independence inside Bow. So you just would go to Independence, which is just different classroom. Yeah, yeah. And when you get in trouble back then, if you cut or whatever, they threw you into a detention room where all your friends were. So, <laughs> so like, what kind of punishment was that? It was no punishment. Yeah. Like we'd be open campus, and then they'd have to come out and try to get us back to school. So the the vice principal and security would come with a megaphone, like yo, walk into Burger King because my Burger King over when we were there. Just everyone's there it's like every table's filled and school started already mm. get back to school right now y'all gonna go you know they come with the cops or whoever all, they'd go to all the different restaurants just to get us back and then if you're too late then they throw you in detention room they call your house no parents worked at home some a lot of houses didn't have voice voice you know recorder or whatever machines I yeah, didn't, yeah, yeah. we didn't so the I didn't care the and then when they call it's a robot calling so even if, you know, if you answer it, <laughs> right? Yeah. it's like, I know what. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to use a uh, city address because we lived in the East Bay. Mm. And uh, it was my uncle that lived there. And he didn't speak English. So every time I cut, they would call there. And he didn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, I don't know. Nah, he's not here or whatever. <laughs> and just hang up. Yeah. So yeah. I never got caught cutting. That's why I was always at their school. <laughs> I mean, even if I, like, in my, there was, you know, my mom was busy working, so it's like, she'd see my report card. I didn't hide it. Like, it'd be, like, 87 absences. Why'd you go to school? Like, I don't like it. I don't like that class. Give me ROTC. I don't want to do it. And they gave me P. I don't want to do it. <laughs> do, you think, do you think, like, just hearing you talk about that structure at Balboa, do you think if, it was a different structure you would have been more in the school or were you just like that mm. I think I had emotional problems too so I think I, I had like a little bit of rage inside me at that time and I think I had this thing about you know people uh, what is it telling you what to do and you know so I don't know might have been the best thing for me looking back I wouldn't change anything right so I don't know but I, yeah I think um, I think me I, don't, I wouldn't want to be at a different school or a better structure and be the worst kid there. I wasn't the worst kid at this school. By far, I wasn't the worst <laughs> no, kid. Not at all. So, you know, so I kind of fit in, you know. So I don't know. I, I think it was good for me. I really left there, obviously, a lot more streets, but I was on the streets a lot. I was out, I was out the house a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't come home for days. So I was out there. 
I was out and about. <laughs> but would you would you say that that is like what what's led to having you reach the heights of success that you've reached now? Is more so that exposure, the street smarts, sure. kind of balancing? Yeah, for sure, for sure, I can adapt. Um, like you say, adapting, I, I can definitely adapt to different people, the clientele, and because I was, it's not like I just did. Um, GLP and sucker free like I was also doing the dot com boom and I was doing Napster and I was dealing with EA Sports mm-hmm. and I was dealing with the real estate boom and I had clients all over those things and I was I could I could relate to all of them yeah like didn't matter who came to my office they really needed something and they heard that I could do it so when they'd come to me it wasn't like except for the dot com boom dot com boom was cool because they'd be like here's 40,000 that's our budget so just We'll tell you what we need. I don't know. We got to spend right. this every three months. Cool. Give them ten thousand dollars worth of stuff. Keep yeah. the rest. That's what's impressive about your notables, though. Is you know you you're working with some Bay Area people, some mom and pop, just some locals. But then these are heavy hitters too. Back at a time where, again, I, I, I just got to stress this. Back at a time where most people just weren't thinking entrepreneurship or. You know, oh wait, I'm too small for this. I can't handle this level of business. But you just went right into it. Yeah, and just fucking adapted. Well, I mean, I think what's hard now is you're seeing what other people are doing, and you're judging yourself and your skills and your ability, and if I'm good enough to do it. Back then, wow, who was I going to judge myself? There was no one. There was no one else. It's either me or go to a high-end San Francisco advertising firm. Who are you going to go to? There was no one. It was easy for me. I don't even want to talk about how much money I was making back then. It was just, it was ridiculous, right? So, um, but I still worked hella hard. I mean, you got to realize at some point, I wasn't just doing graphic design. I basically, my whole life, whatever I have one arm's reach length, that's what I would get into. So if I'm doing all the stuff for the nightclub promoter, and then the nightclub's like, hey, can you make us our free drink cards? And, oh, security needs shirts, and they need business cards. So I was dealing with everyone. So I knew the owners, the security, and the promoter. I was like, I might as well just be a promoter. So I became a promoter. You know, and then clothing. Like, I did sucker free, and then they kind of had inside issues. And I just said, well, shoot, I'm just going to open up my service to everyone else who wants to start a clothing line. So I did that. And then music, I never really, you know, kind of full circle now. I'm in in the music industry. But um, back then, yeah, I just kind of leveraged those artists and stuff and mm. did collabs before they're called collabs and you know yeah so but yeah like now you can look on instagram and be like i want to be a graphic designer man these guys are hella good i don't i'm not gonna do that or you know what i'm saying like there's a lot of access today yeah i mean it's 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 all it's all smoke and mirrors they're not showing you the hard parts right. the failures everyone right. looks like they're just killing it you're not killing it. No one's killing it. I don't care how much you think you're killing it. You're not doing what you want to do anyways. You're not like, yeah, I hit all my goals. Fucking done. No, you, even when you hit your goals, you want to, you're still pushing it higher. Right? So everyone wants to show their goals for whatever reason. And other people, I don't know if that helps other people. Like I, tell, I would tell my kids, you know, you don't have to look at Instagram. You don't have to judge yourself off that. Mm-hmm. Keep, you know, keep your eyes on the prize and whatever that goal is and you're going to hit all these roadblocks and it's going to go different directions you're going to go up and down these valleys as long as you know where you're going you can still see it go that direction right so you said your oldest is 22 mm-hmm. what is that one doing right now I think he's at that crossroads right now to try to figure out you know it kind of sucks I don't know if it sucks but I, I really want him to be independent so he's been independent so he actually worked for Feel Good Cuts as the, their shop helper at 13. Oh, no way. So that was his first job, and he, was, he wasn't working there. Sorry, that's not legal. He was, uh, <laughs> he was helping out the guys and the clients, you know. He was volunteering. He was volunteering, and, 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 you know, from that day on, like, I don't think I ever bought him a pair of shoes or paid for a cell phone, you know. And I was at 13. And um, so he's he's really had been able to like, you know, get his own place to live at eighteen, and have a job while he's going to school. Now school, I don't think 
maybe isn't for him, so then he's looking at other kind of educations, real estate school and stuff like that. But I think he's having a hard time right now because I think he's realizing that San Francisco is so hard to live in and so expensive that he feels like he's stuck in this rat race now, which I wasn't stuck in. So I don't know if it's a pride thing, too. I feel like he needs to reach out to me a little more to, you know, figure this out because, really, I stayed with my mom until I was 20-something. He's only 22. Like, if he didn't want to live on his own, he'd still live with me, and I would still be doing whatever is necessary and probably complaining about it. But, you know, I think he, like I said, he's 21 right now. He's about to be 22 next month. And um, But he, he works for the airlines, and he travels the world which is one thing I told him. So out of all those things, what he has to realize is, yeah, yeah, you're not a millionaire. You're not, maybe don't know your career, but one thing I did say was travel early. And none of us did that. None of my friends. There was very few of my friends, maybe their parents worked at their line, they traveled with their parents. But none of my friends growing up traveled the world at 21 like he does. So he'll travel every United. So he's at international hub yeah so you know so i you know i gotta give it to him that's one thing he's doing that he's gonna look back and be like okay well i did that but you know it's hard to to juggle everything you know what is your career i don't know i was 21 when i decided to go to state right that's the year i decided to go to take school and stop smoking weed you know what i'm saying so i i hope I'm, I'm confident everything will work out for all my kids. But, shit, there's going to be ups and downs and roadblocks and all that shit, and they're going to have to figure it out. I'm, I'm not taking them on my back. They don't want to be my They don't want to be my backpack. Are any of them interested in what you're doing? Yeah, so my 13-year-old um, son is actually going into high school this year, and he's going to be taking graphic design. So, and I didn't know he was interested in it. And then my other... Two uh, daughters are definitely artists as well. They're they're very creative, and um, you know, uh, career wise, I, I guess that's kind of I'm in my realm. Another thing is um, I'm really I was into Muay Thai like my whole life, or not my whole life, um, but you know later in life I really got into Muay Thai, and you know um, all my kids have followed that path too. So that's kind of cool. That's probably I'm more excited about that than yeah. You know, love Muay Thai. Yeah. What do you knowing what you went through and um, kind of recapping your formula to success? There was time, definitely hard work, but also opportunity, right? But you also said now it's it's a lot harder because there's a lot of mimics. Then you got um, you know the smoke and mirage of Instagram. So for your own kids and for anyone interested in the industry, what advice would you give them in how to break through? I mean, you got to get a skill for one. So <clears throat> connections are great, relationships are great, opportunities are great, but you got to be able to perform, right? So be confident, learn a skill. I don't care what that skill is, and just be confident and do good. Like work ethic is one of the most hard work ethic being a hustler right that's one thing I learned about on the streets is being a hustler you know don't go broke like know what the ramifications is of not doing it and then get that set in everything you do you do it the best if you're going to wash your car wash it down good you're going to clean your room clean it, clean it good you can clean your plate when you eat clean it clean it right you're going to drink that 40 drink it quick I don't know <laughs> what I'm saying is you you know you got to have have a work ethic hard work ethic and that shines through a lot and I think even these corporate companies are getting younger and younger executives doing hiring they're going to see that and second is know your own personal brand and Instagram is a direct relationship to your personal brand so a brand is something that's communicated and whatever the people perceive it as is what it is I don't care what you think it is whatever he says it is that's what it is right so if you're not communicating what you want to give, you know, who you are out there to the universe, if you're not doing it correctly, it's not going to be perceived that way. So your brand is what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you got to always think about that. Like there's ramifications for everything. So, you know, work hard and think about your personal brand first. 
You know, it's not about your homies, not about your friend or what your girlfriend says or your parents say. All that stuff doesn't is not as important as what do you want to get out of life and how are you going to communicate that. And the only way to do it is hard work. There is no, what do they say, there's no elevator to the top. To me, it's a ladder. You can go up and down. It's just one step. One step at a time, right? One step at a time. Right? So you definitely have to um, make sure that you that, that you just focused, work hard. Okay. It's, it's not that hard. And if you could do something you love, it's easy. I did something I love. So when I got into my major in college, it was easy. I, but I had to get past the general ed. I didn't want to do English and math and remember dates and stuff. That's not significant to what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah. I'm an art major. I don't know all the artists. I don't know the different time, uh, you know, the art periods and all that. You know, I don't remember their names. Right. I had to do it. I think that's what's hard for kids that age, though. They don't they don't really know what they love when they're starting out. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, if I could just use the analogy of a relationship, you don't even know you love someone until they're gone most of the time. So, from a business aspect or from trying to figure out what your career is or where you're going to go into. But, but it's only hard if people put expectations or pressures on you that you don't believe in. It's not hard when you understand it. That's what I'm saying. Think about it. It doesn't matter what your parents say. It doesn't matter what your ex-girlfriend says. You should be a doctor. Your parents, you should be a nurse. You should be this. That's hard. Yeah. But when you know what you like, you, you do know what you like. It might just be basketball. But I'm not going to be an NBA player. Well, go look at Warriors right now and see what they're hiring for. You can be in the front office. You can be in the back. You can be in the mail room. So pivot. Pivot. Yeah. Pivot for sure. And don't do what other people tell you to do. Unfortunately, I've always been like that, right? So I mean, yeah, I had problems with that way of thinking. But if you're gonna if you're gonna think you know the right way, then stick to it. But there might be ramifications, and that's okay. You know, we all learn, and then hopefully, learning makes you. You know, I mean, even tell the little kid like, "Oh, he's gonna fall." When he falls, he's gonna learn. He's not gonna do that shit again. But if I catch him every time, he'll think it's a game. I'm gonna fall. Shit, I gotta catch him all the time. Let that kid fall on his head. He's not gonna do it again. Yeah, I try to let all little kids fall around. I'm all kicking them around. <laughs> but you know what? Like hearing your journey, um, it's it started from humble beginnings. But you're also exposed to an environment. I mean, you're exposed to a lot of heavy hitters. But pushing forward, can you talk to us now about Mojo Labs and any current projects, this whole yeah. empire thing you got going on? Yeah, so Mojo Labs was something where I just got sick of brand one design. I was just like, man, I'm making a lot of money, but I feel like I'm selling my soul. I'm just sitting here in the office every day, 17 hours. At this point, I had a kid, uh, my oldest kid, so I wasn't working weekends, but I was working five days a week, and I was busting my ass, but I just felt like... Everyone I'm designing for, whatever, is just making a lot of money. Some, a lot of money. And I'm like, damn, I just charge per hour, even though maybe at that time I was charging maybe 100 bucks an hour. Um, I felt like this isn't worth it. So I, I really wanted to go pivot and do some stuff I liked. So uh, Mojo Labs wasn't nothing that it was premeditated. What it was was... I decided to move out. I was a lot of my offices were either in sell screen shops or print print machine shops because um, it was easier for me to at least get some work from the store and then I can bring my clients and I can choose my clients and have less of them. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I met one of my best friends, my mentor. My um, you're talking about who who you should, who also helped you back then. I didn't say enough, but Dave Kang who owned the print shop that we did Sucker Free with. So the guys, Gizmo, who owned Sucker Free, was using this guy, Dave Kang, who had a pinnacle printing. And um, I learned how to do artwork for printing, for screen printing. And to this day, I still work with this guy on a, a different capacity. He's, he's grown a lot. And I've been business partners on different companies with him for 20-plus years now. Um, but getting back, I like want, didn't want to be in these warehouses and working on, as a service, um, a subservice of these businesses. 
So I was like, look, I'm just going to get another office. So I went and found some other offices um, and moved in. And what happened was I was working with Mike Lamonega Savs on some other projects, and he hollered at me about the Pacquiao thing. I was like, man, we should do some money. You know, a good thing would do shirts for Manny Pacquiao. I was like, damn, Manny Pacquiao, the boxer. So like, for real? It's like, oh, what? why? You know? He's like, I'm not Filipino, so everyone think I'm Filipino. I'm not Filipino. And he was like, bro, they're like, he's like the god for the Philippines and this and that. But I looked into it, and then, so like, yeah, sounds cool. And he's like, I got an idea for a design. He showed me a design. And I was like, oh, shit. Yes, and, you know, I have an eye for that. And he worked on some some artwork, and I was like, "Oh shit, we're gonna kill it with that. Let's do that." I think I, I think I don't, I don't even think I did any design work really on the first time we did that. And we did some shirts maybe a month out from the fight he did. He had with, um, I think it was Diaz. It was some belt he did at one thirty eight or something. It was at it was at Mandalay, and we did these shirts. And my bad, I don't even know if time-wise I we did that first, but that's when me and Mike really started, like, launching. So I don't know if we had Mojo Labs at that point. But I remember it being at the beginning, and and then um, we ended up just being like, yo, I, I was telling him he was working at Logitech at the time, and I was like, yeah, quit that job and just come with me and let's do some more fun projects. We killed it, we made money, and it was fun. This is what I'd rather work on, and, work, and it was for us. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you know, I'm sure you guys will talk to him in the future, but eventually he, he, he did quit that job and came in with me. But I think the name Mojo Labs, so I don't know if we put Mo, tagged Mojo Labs on that. At the same time, I had friends who owned Cooks and Castles when, when it was owned by a group of guys out of L.A. Um, and uh, through Alice Kino at the warehouse, I met these guys, plus I met um, Jonas Benefuca from LRG, and they were all starting at this time. And um, so I was a graphic designer, so I was able to help them with different small tasks. But at this point, Chris and Castle was big. They got major funding, and they were blowing up. And for some reason, they hollered at me about, yo, they're, they're marketing guys. Let's uh, do Chris Natale. He's, uh, he's called Ludes. Um, he passed um, a while back. But um, he was the head of marketing. He was like, we need a way to, like, do our brochure is different at Magic, the Magic Convention, which is actually next week coming up. But at this time, everyone would just make brochures, like little printout brochures and different catalogs, different way to fold them. So we had to do something different. And we're like, yo, let's make a, a USB drive and then put the files in there. And they're like, oh, okay, you guys can do that? I was like, hell yeah. And we're like, shit, how are we going to do this? So we found a place that I can make a custom, so we made an AK-47 bullet. And then inside that, and we put like an on military chain, and then everyone who came to their event, which was their little launch party <clears throat> at Magic, at the Hugh Hefner suite at the Palms, this is when the Palms was cracking, um, they would get this. And then in there was all the files, and it had all their stuff, and a link right to the website, and everything they needed to do. So we did that, and we had, I had the design the bullet, and had it machined out, and laser etched their um, logo, and laser etched our logo. And then we were able to put some... We had to come up with a name and a logo. So we came up with the logo and the name. It was like we had a friend who had a company called like Secret Sauce or something. It's like, damn, that's a dope-ass name. It's like, fuck, you got a cool-ass name. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a cool name. And then we came up with Mojo Labs. It was it was kind of this thing where, you know, we're thinking like, well, this is where you... This is the lab where you get your mojo. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll create that for you. We'll help you get that back. You know what I'm saying? And then... And, and we did that, and we made the little M logo, and uh, we did that, and and that ended up becoming a retail product for them in their stores because they opened up uh, Melrose and a couple stores mm-hmm. then before Fairfax and um, Sunset or something. And uh, so that was cool, and then from there it was like I got a call from um, Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy. Calls my phone. He's like, hey, it's Pete Wentz, Fallout Boy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what's up? Like, yeah, I saw this thing you did for Crooks and Castles. It was a bullet drive, sick. I want to do something like that. I was like, who is this? 
So I'm from this group called Fallout Boy. I was like, okay. He's like, we want to do something similar. We're trying to release this unreleased song to our fans, a real core fan base, and, and figure out a cool way to do it. And it was funny, the guy, um, Todd from, from Secret Sauce, who actually owns a company called uh, Project X now, is, who has a great company, a great brand, um, he was kind of that secret sauce that kind of made it happen. And um, we're like, okay, let us think of what we could do. So we came up with this. And he wanted to do a USB drive. So I had to hook up to get USB drives. And then, um, so we made one and we're like, yo, we're going to use Twitter. Twitter was new back then. And I was like, you guys already got hella followers. Let's help you get a million followers. We're going to do a scavenger hunt. So we did a scavenger hunt on Twitter and they gave the clues on Twitter and there'd be a physical USB drive and it would give like two or three clues and the first person there would get it. And then on there would be their track plus exclusive photos and whatever they, we wanted to put in the drive. So we did that and we did the first one and it, we did it in San Francisco and we had the drive, someone holding the drive outside the Twitter building and then we actually was able to work out with Twitter to give that person a tour of the, of the facility and stuff. So that was the first time we did that, and that shit blew up too. We had millions of impressions, and and we didn't charge. I think we did do like a T-shirt or something that was included later, um, but we did have an agreement that whenever they talked about, it, they'd have to give us say our name. So whether it's an article, like it had to be in there. Like our friends at Mojo Labs is what they had to say, and then a link to us. And um, that was us was me and Mike, and. Um, and yeah, and uh, that 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 was really that was really good because that that helped us like kind of propel to a different level. Um, and from there came Alicia Keys, and, mm. or, you know, and then the Manny Pacquiao thing. And yeah, yeah. <coughs> stuck on how dope those bullets look, though. Those are yeah. those are sick, especially well, at that time. You know what's funny is like right after we made that, like you could just go on the internet and search like AK forty seven drive, and then. In China, you would see our picture, the picture I took at the office <laughs> on their sites, and like everyone made them. So in China, you're not going to be able to like it's once you make it, they're they're going to steal that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, you can probably go look right now and see that picture of our first, which was the first one we made. We redid the artwork for the uh, retail product. Hell's Bells. We did some for Hell's Bells as well, um, which was. Uh, one of the female run or female brands that the crooks were helping with. Yeah, it was it was fun back then. Like yeah. When all the homies used to own the brands. You know, what would you? Owns them. What would you say? <clears throat> so, the name of this podcast is the second half, right? Mm-hmm. And basically, it's us figuring out our next steps. This is what we chose to do. So, for you, what would you say your second half is? Well, I mean, I think I think a big step for me in this last. Si- after the pandemic was to uh, to go to Empire. Um, so Empire, this is my first job in my life. I never worked for no one, so I waited till I was you know later in life to work for someone. And it was, you know it was kind of crazy how Ghazi at Empire just hollered at me to to be a part of the team. So I think that's eye opening to be there. Um, I don't know if my future. It's a Corporate run like a start you know, startup. It's small enough, and you know it's it's not a board of director. You know it's not a. It's Gazi owns it, so it's it's kind of run by. But it has a good startup feeling. But you know I think a lot of younger people like try to get their way, their ranking, or you know it's a jump off for their career. I think I would still just keep doing my own stuff, still being brand one. I don't mind staying at Empire and doing what I do because I like it. I like the culture there. Um, but in the future, I, I think I'm still, I think I'm still looking for opportunity, the right opportunity. I don't think it's presenting itself. I think I've always, there has been a lot of people I reconnected, connected with Savs again with Mike, and he he's actually opened some doors for me because he's he's he constantly focused on Savs and and that that um, his his connections in there. So he actually assisted me when I needed help and decide to launch my own brand. Um, but uh, I think I'm still waiting for the right opportunity. I, I kind of want to just be a small piece of the right of, of the right thing, mm. you know. Um, I was lucky enough to get some equity in some companies by being a small piece, 
and so we'll see how those turn out. But I think there's still something out there. So, and I would like it to be kind of with fashion. Um, I think I would like to go to more of a higher level fashion, you know, luxury brands or, you know. But you know, I don't. I don't know. I, a lot of times, I, I I try to create my own opportunities if they're not there. I'm not just sitting around waiting. So second half, I mean, and then on top of that is really just working on stuff I love, and then watch my kids grow, and share it with my partner, you know, with my wife, um, and figure out where we're gonna basically retire, you know, in the future, and like think about it early, you know, and I, I think. Um, just watching my kids and just being present in their life, I think, is probably the most important thing to me right now. Yeah. But it's a challenge because stuff is getting is a lot more expensive, and so you have that pressure of just staying active and just like, damn. Everyone thought they were going to be a millionaire by the time they're 30, and then it was 40, and 50, and it's like, eh, maybe I'm not going to be a millionaire. <laughs> a million assets. <laughs> I love how authentic your, your answers were because... For someone, again, a young 50, but with 100 years worth of experiences, right, just as we've read them and discussed, but I love how you approach things with humility still, how you're going into empire, still looking, kind of still searching and finding more for yourself. Do you have, just for our listeners, our crowds, maybe even your kids, do you have any lasting impressions for them, just some final words? I mean, I think I said a lot. I think I said a lot. I think, um, I don't know, there's no last words. I think you're always learning, so, you know, learn, keep learning from a lot of people. Don't don't look down on people that you think you can't learn from because everyone can teach you something. So, you know, I think people should always remember that. And everything's changing now. Now with AI and everything, people, someone asked me before about, do you think AI is going to take your job? And I was like, no, nah, not my job. I think I can use it, though. For my job, I think the purpose of AI is to use it to to work smarter, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think you have to adapt once again with what's out there. So these kids, when we look at them, and you're like, oh, he's just playing video games on his phone. Unfortunately, their jobs are going to consist of those skills. Not only because that's what they know; it's because the people that are doing the hiring and they're also growing up under those same devices. So I think, you know, there's there's not many skilled hand laborers out there, so those guys are going to be great. But, you know, I, I would say if you're a driver or someone, you know, something like that, I think those jobs are going to be more limited. So you got to just look at what you're doing, but you got to adapt to what's out there. You can't be the guy who's like, I'm not using email. Right. I'm not going to use <laughs> yeah. a computer, you know. I know some grandparents that can do it all. And some one-year-olds that can do it all, and then you have some grandparents that are just with no clue at all. And you're like, damn, they're having such a hard time because everything changed. There's nothing here that they can relate to, you know. So they're just kind of the grandma that just sits there, sure. you know. So, you know, so we all got to adapt, and we got to do the same thing for our parents, and same thing. It doesn't matter, young or old, or friend. Yo, bro, like, I know you love that job, but really think the market and the future of that job that career or a kid who's going to college did you look at the jobs that are available what does the job look like in five years 10 years 20 years is this a job where you have to like learn under other people before you become you know stable so it's going to last 30, 20 years I, I think I look at that stuff you know but if you have a true skill cutting hair you know what I'm saying is one of them um, we talked briefly too. Cutting hair is one, but do you know how to run a business? You have time to run the business. Are you the business runner or are you the hair cutter? You know, there's a lot of stuff you got. You just got to think about it. It kind of changes your, your perspective on your path. Like I said, there's those roadblocks and those ups and downs. The goal's still the same. So yeah, there's got to adapt. I think um, for for me personally, I don't want to speak for you guys. But one of the, the things I really love about doing this podcast is just learning from the people that we have on. Yeah. But, man, I learned a lot today. So mm. thank you for being here, bro. Thank you for blessing us with some knowledge and your time. Yep. I, I definitely appreciate this. I mean, even when, like you said, we spoke briefly. And in that time that we spoke for, I think it was like 45 minutes, my mind was just, like, blown. It was like, fuck, this guy has so much <laughs> knowledge to share. 
and again, even hearing you like right now, it's like I, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your guys' time. Yeah, shoot. I was a little late. I was like, damn, I didn't want to be late. <laughs> okay, bro, you got to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Got to eat. Good, man. <clears throat> it's all good. We're, we're just happy that you were here. Yeah. Right on, Brandon. Thank appreciate you, it. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. SF to the town, dad pause now we just running our mouths, barbershop talk, rocking the spot, got you thinking these opinions all coming in hot, lifelong bond has the convos flow, time just goes, constant growth, straight from the base, spreading knowledge and laughs, listen up, show love, homie, it's the second half.